You can meet and hear journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, LCMS President Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordleone, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, and Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. Psalm 139 tells us that God is watching every one of these young bodies as they're growing in their mother's womb because he placed them there. Persuasion is replaced with punishment and mercy is replaced with vengeance. Pluralism is replaced with conformity and debate with deplatforming. Signing the cross belongs to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It's at birthright. It's truly Catholic confession for all Christians. It's a possession that belongs to everyone within the Christian church. We wake up with resolve and we go to bed with repentance. We wake up and we pray, Lord, may all my doings in life please you. And we go to bed praying, forgive me for all the sins I've done this day. Stay-at-home moms in Philadelphia love listening to issues, etc., while breastfeeding their babies to sleep at night. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other on gas stoves, but if you have been watching social media over the last week, it seems as though everybody else did, as further evidence that there is nothing in American life that cannot be politicized and weaponized on social media, the great debate over gas stoves. I think it's still continuing in some sectors of social media. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to talk about the religion of the secular left with Pastor Hans Feeney of Lutheran Satire. We'll do listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. We'll follow that with a Sunday school lesson from Pastor Tom Baker of Long Gospel on Jesus and Zacchaeus in Luke 19, and then we'll round everything off discussing the imprecatory psalms, psalms of God's vengeance, with Dr. Jeffrey Boyle of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Joining us to talk about the religion of the secular left, Pastor Hans Feeney, pastor of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in St. Louis, creator of a series of comical videos called Lutheran Satire and author of a column for World News Group titled The Gas Stove Prophets. Hans, welcome back. Good to be here. Before we get to our subject, I'd like to discuss one of your favorite topics, the Indianapolis Colts. Give us your thoughts on former Colts head coach Tony Dungy speaking at the National March for Life and the outpouring of outrage that followed it. Yeah, so there's. A, it seems like every day there's a new person who gets put into the crosshairs. And uh, oftentimes this will happen with anyone in any kind of media, anyone who has any kind of public platform who doesn't sort of toe the line. So Tony Dungy is the former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He took them to their only Super Bowl victory, first black coach to win the Super Bowl. Very beloved amongst Indianapolis Colts fans like myself, highly regarded in the football community, has had a career in broadcasting since uh, his retirement from coaching. Tony Dungy has always been a very outspoken Christian. It was a very big theme in the books that he was writing after winning the Super Bowl. He talked about his faith often uh, in his coaching life. 
And so this year he decided to speak at the March for Life. He also issued a tweet, which I think he ended up deleting. He apologized for it. I don't know that it was necessary quite to apologize for it, but it was a tweet about uh, basically these rumors going around that schools are placing kitty litter boxes into bathrooms for students who identify as cats. The left got very angry at him for that and said that he was marginalizing at-risk transgender youth and things of that nature. Now, whether or not that's actually happening is one question, but the reality is the kind of the trajectory of the self-identification nonsense, there's no means by which you could oppose that if you embrace transgenderism. If you buy into the idea that a biological male should be able to use the girl's bathroom because he declares himself to be female, it's not really all that much more absurd to assert that therefore a kid should be able to use a kitty litter box if he or she identifies as a cat. So it was a kind of a combination of those two things. And you had a large number of sports journalists writing really Really, really awful slanderous stuff about him. There was a piece in the Washington or in the USA Today about it. Rex Chapman, who's a sports guy, was uh, tweeting nonstop vitriol about it, as well as some other folks. And to me, I think what this kind of shows is the way the left operates. I've used this analogy before. I don't know, remember if I've used it on the show or not. But it's sort of like, all right, so I'm a pastor here in the St. Louis area. If I walked into my sanctuary on Sunday morning and there's another guy just standing in my pulpit and I go up and I say, uh, can I help you? And he says, oh, yeah, uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to preach this morning. And I say, uh, no, no, I don't think you are. I don't even know who you are. And he goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm just going to take the opportunity. You preach every week. I'm going to take this opportunity to give the sermon today. And I'd say, no, I'm going to call the police and have you escorted off of church property because that pulpit belongs to me. I don't know who you are, but God has given me that pulpit to rightly preach his word. I don't know who you are and thus don't know that I can trust you to do that. You don't have the authority to do that. So you need to get out of my pulpit. And the way I think that the left looks at anything remotely in the public eye is that's their pulpit. TV is their pulpit. The educational system is their pulpit. Everything is their pulpit. So the second that anyone who has any kind of position of prominence starts using that public platform to advocate for things that they don't agree with, in this case, Tony Dungy's advocacy for the rights of the unborn, they view that as a hostile actor occupying their pulpit. And so you need to screech at that person in order to get them removed. So you, you had people genuinely arguing that Tony Dungy should be fired from his position, I think it's with NBC Sports and things of that nature, simply because he holds to a Christian view of the sanctity of life, a Christian view of marriage, Christian view of sexual identity. Turning, well, and it's not too much of a turn because we've actually broached the subject, in the realm of nothing being too ridiculous to be true, how did gas stoves recently become a litmus test for one's loyalty to the progressive cause? Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. I mean, you you'd said before that you didn't have any opinion on gas stoves. I didn't have an opinion on gas stoves until I moved to St. Louis where we don't have gas in our house and we have an electric stove. And then I developed very strong opinions about gas stoves, which are not really even gas stoves. I've developed very strong opinions about electric ones, which are that I want to take it out of my house and blow it up with a bazooka because it's entirely worthless. So people who have cooked on gas like their gas stoves. Well, there is a, a gentleman who came out, who works for some kind of government agency. Uh, his name's uh, Richard Trumka Jr. for the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. I had to look that up because I didn't remember it. But he stated that the government should consider a ban on gas stoves because 
they are actually a, a, a source of exposure to NO2 gas that's linked to reduced cognitive performance. So that basically the presence of gas and pollutants uh, in the homes that are using them, this could result in essentially brain damage for people. And then as, as soon as he said that, all of a sudden you just, you had a variety of figures on the left, notably Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the congresswoman from New York, tweeting about this. You had uh, New York's governor introducing a proposal to ban gas stoves in new homes and commercial construction uh, in about 10 years' time. It's like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you have this eruption of this is the thing we believe. This is the thing we've always believed. Don't you know that this is the thing that we believe? How could you possibly question the thing that we believe on an issue that no one was talking about five seconds earlier? It really is quite a bizarre phenomenon to watch happen in real time where people just pick an issue based on real flimsy science. They associate it kind of broadly with the kind of climate change religion and then act as if this is holy doctrine that has been handed down to them from on high, that it's almost a kind of divine revelation that no one is allowed to question. Why did uh, Charles Cook, uh, when commenting on this, call the progressive reaction, in this case, cultish? Yeah, I think he's quite right in that. So Charles Cook's a writer for National Review. And in particular, what he was noting was that in the way that people, in particular, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, was talking about this, she was talking about it as though she's just so wearied and worn down from having to explain the truth to these simpletons who have been refusing to listen. But it's the first time she ever tweeted about it. (laughs) The first time she had ever tweeted about gas stoves in any capacity. There is a very much a cult-like quality where the leader, whoever the leader is, the prophet declares something. This is the word of the Lord. This is true. And not only is it true from that point on, but it's true from that point on and also back through eternity. This has always been true. We've always known this, a thing that that they've never spoken about before. Oh, are we really having to go over all of this again? That's kind of the tone to the debate. So there's very much a kind of a cult-like mentality in that you are given the word, you will not question it, you will accept entirely that this has always been the case and that you have always known it is kind of the the other thing that you have always known the thing that we both know you've only known for three seconds. And we also both know that you don't really know as well as you think you know. That's the thing you have eternally known. So there's a very kind of glassy eyed, you receive the information, you don't question it, and you immediately start persecuting those who don't subscribe to it. It's George Orwell's Oceana has always been at war with East Asia. Right, yeah. Very much so, that this is the declaration from the prophet. This has always been the case. It will always be the case. And who are you to question the thing that we have always known that's as certain and as true as the sun rising and the sun setting? Is the secular left driven by religious impulses, despite being secular? Yeah, they're just not driven by very good ones. But I think what you can see in this is that there is in all people a hungering for truth and a hungering for authority. That everyone wants to know this is the word that is true because it was given to you by someone who has greater access to the truth than you do. 
and that's really what the concept of revelation is, both within Christianity and outside of Christianity, both true revelation and false revelation. Here is the word of the prophet. God has spoken through the prophet and he's declared a word that is true and you can trust this and you can know that by believing it, you are righteous. So in the same way that a Christian believes that he is righteous because through faith he has been given the righteousness of Christ, that that word that he confesses makes him righteous. There's a very similar thing that you see in the left here, which is here's the new revelation. Repeat these words. Don't question them. Don't argue with them. Repeat them. And by repeating them, you will be a good person. You're on the side of climate change. You're on the side of clean energy. You're on the side of preventing children from developmental delays or reduced cognitive performance because you're preventing them from having access to things that are bad for them. But in the end, it really doesn't even matter what the actual thing is. I think Charles Cook for National Review wrote another article where he talked about the fire risks of electric stoves. And the left easily could have made the same argument about electric stoves on the other hand, on the other way to argue that they were dangerous for people and destructive to family life and, and things of that nature. You can cherry pick statistics to make whatever argument you want to make about how they're oppressive to certain marginalized groups or whatever it might be. But it doesn't really matter what the thing is what the specific claim is. It's just simply that out of this kind of leftist ether, especially in social media communities, the talking point just arrives. And it's like there's a new one every day. It's, it, it's almost, you oftentimes feel like if you're on, on the internet much, it, it's almost like there's a big email thread or a big text chain that all these people are a part of where they all just get the words that they speak that day. Because you'll all of a sudden find these phrases that come out of nowhere. And there is very much a religious character to it of whoever this prophet is that's spoken, he has spoken. And whatever the words are that he's given you to speak, you will speak them. And by speaking them, you will become a righteous person. Pastor Hans Feeney is our guest. We're talking about the religion of the secular left. On the other side, what biblical teachings have the secular left cast aside in favor of their new religion? You can meet and hear journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, LCMS President Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordleone, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, and Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. Elective abortion is not and never has been medical care. So wrote Dr. Donna Harrison, a wife, mother of five, and grandmother of ten, and also a pro-life advocate. And she wrote those words in the January issue of The Lutheran Witness, in which we take up the issue of the pro-life movement after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. To pick up your copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Lutheranism in the Public Square. You're listening to Issues Etc.
You wish your classical school could do more for struggling learners? Uncertain where to begin? The Memoria Press Schools Division includes Cheryl Swope, author of Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child. The school's division will happily assist your school. Memoria Press offers an entire line of special needs resources for teaching math, reading, spelling, and more. Contact schools at memoriapress.com or order directly from simplyclassical.com with coupon code LPR23. Save the date. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky, with visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Look for more information in early 2023 at lutheransforlife.org conference. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. lutheransforlife.org Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're talking about the religion of the secular left with Pastor Hans Feeney of Lutheran Satire. Hans, what biblical teaching has the secular left cast aside in favor of their new religion? Well, I think there are a few of them. Certainly one of those is the concept of atonement and forgiveness. This is a strange thing about the left that, that people have been noticing for quite some time. In the piece I wrote on Gastos, I have a link to an older article I wrote for The Federalist a couple of years ago, uh, which I think is called The Right of Perpetual Confession. So it's just endless confession and no absolution. The left has a very strange way of, of viewing the concept of forgiveness as a kind of zero-sum game where you establish yourself as the one in charge of dispensing forgiveness. And it's almost as though if you show mercy to other people, if you show forgiveness to other people, that you therefore, you have to give up your own righteousness in order to hand that over to them. So this is why I think there's this strange desire amongst the left to whenever there's a, there's an odd internet phenomenon called milkshake ducking, which is a very strange term, but it comes from a joke about someone noting the trend of someone becomes internet famous for something quite enjoyable that everyone should be able to love. And then someone digs up that person's mean tweets from 12 years ago. And then we all have to tell, we all have to condemn that person for being so wretched. And then it, came from the idea of the joke of, hey, here's a nice picture of a duck enjoying a milkshake. And then a follow-up tweet, we regret to inform you that milkshake duck is racist. And so there, there's a strange concept of that amongst leftists where they don't, they simply don't believe that when people have sinned, that they can have any measure of forgiveness. They are to confess their sins and we are to rip and tear them apart on account of that and to pour out judgment upon them. But if we actually forgive them and show mercy to them, then we somehow lose our own righteousness in the process. And there's other issues as well. The left's just full-throated endorsement of legalized abortion has very much forced them to reject any kind of concept of of the value of, of mankind and the value of human nature. That, as I think I say in the piece, the left has essentially declared that only a wanted child is an image of dei child. Only a wanted child is a child that's made in the image of God. And and if you're not desired, then you don't have then you don't have any intrinsic value. 
So, uh, so they rob themselves of the, of the concept of forgiveness. They rob themselves of the idea of the inherent value of human beings by, uh, by rejecting the idea of God as creator and God having lordship over them. They reject the idea that our very existence is brimming with the promise that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we have this joy of belonging to a God who seeks to be at one with us. And by rejecting God as creator, by rejecting ourselves as God's creation, especially that rejecting of creation comes through their embracing of transgenderism. It, it robs you of the idea that you belong to a God of, of order and love, and it, it burdens you with this uh, sort of slavery of having to find your true identity within some kind of mysterious self-identification that you're inventing for yourself. In all of this, I think what you're finding is that you find that they have nothing left. Once you cast out all of these religious impulses and these religious frameworks for understanding yourself in the world, all you have left is despair and rage and anger. And I think that's very much what you find in just a silly issue like this gas stoves issue, or for that matter, the Tony Dungy affair. Where do they turn to at least attempt to find fulfillment for their religious aspirations? They can't get rid of the religious aspirations. It's built into them. So where do they turn? Yeah, I think this is why that you just kind of have this phenomenon of the internet rage du jour. And where people wake up and this almost this becomes kind of like a process addiction, if people aren't familiar with that term. In addiction world, there's chemical addictions where your body gets addicted to certain chemicals that you are introducing to it, the foreign chemicals that, that you're introducing to it. And then there's a process addiction where you, brain, you basically train your brain to only release the chemicals that make you feel good when you engage in a certain behavior. And rage can very much be a process addiction where people, the only way they can actually make themselves feel any measure of peace is by finding someone to be angry at. And unfortunately, social media is really well designed to kind of stoke this rage in people, Twitter especially, where people wake up and they get onto Twitter and they say, here's the thing we're all mad at today. Here's a girl who shot an elephant in the face in a safari when she was on vacation with her family. Here's a celebrity who used a word for something that was fine 10 minutes ago, but now is no longer considered acceptable. So we hate that guy now. Here's a coach. Uh, here's a, a sports commentator who holds a position on something that we don't think you should be able to hold and still maintain any kind of presence in, in the public life. Here's the new environmental issue that we've all known from the beginning of time was the case. And yet here are these people who are refusing to get on board with it. That's just kind of all they have left is instead of something timeless and ageless, like the scriptures, where you have a truth that transcends your moment, all you have left is the outrage of the moment, the sin of the moment, and then trying to climb your way up the carcasses of people that you've torn apart to acquire righteousness in that moment, but then the righteousness doesn't last. And you got to get more righteousness the next day because you don't have anything timeless. The, this is kind of the, the challenge of writing pieces like this. The issue happens on a Monday and you write about it on a Tuesday and you go, I hope this gets published by Wednesday because if it gets published on Thursday, everyone's going to have forgotten about it. We'll all have moved on. Everything's fleeting. There's nothing lasting, nothing eternal. And it's a tragic place to be. So we should certainly pray that those who are kind of caught up in this world of vapor and nothingness 
would find and would know the true revelation that transcends generations and transcends era and transcends cultures and peoples and times. And that is the revelation of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. You said before that the the, the particular issue really doesn't matter. And everyone knows it's only going to be in currency for maybe a week at the most. And then there's going to be another one. What does matter then if the issue doesn't matter? I think what matters for them is that they're on the right side of whatever their tribe deems to be the right side. I don't know if people remember this a couple there was this was a couple of years ago. I'm even forgetting what the issue is now. I think it had something to do with someone involved in, in one of Trump's investigations. And Stephen Colbert was talking about it and he said something about it and everyone cheered and he had to explain to his audience, no, no, you're supposed to boo that, or or vice versa. I don't remember what the specific issue was. But it was a it was a very telling moment in that he has created a very leftist show with a very leftist audience. It's about the only people that actually watch the show. So they don't actually know what the issues are. They don't know what their position on the matter is supposed to be. They just know this is the guy who's on our side. So I look at, around at the crowd and see what they're doing. So it, it, there's this, this the kind of fickleness of the mob is really your only barometer for whether or not you're righteous and holy. I saw another example of this just the other day where the actor Mark Hamill, who of course played Luke Skywalker, was trying to tweet something in support of transgender persons. And he began his tweet with the phrase, my brothers and sisters or something like that. And then he ended up apologizing for using gender exclusive language because there are those who would not identify as either brother or sister uh, in their own non-binary family relationships. And so, of course, he has to kneel and grovel at the foot of the mob because that's how you keep righteousness is, oh, am I in the good graces of the mob who tells me the things that I'm supposed to know? If not, then I need to grovel and I need to beg for mercy and promise to do better in the future. That's all you have. We've been discussing the left, but does this prophecy formula have its counterpart among some conservatives? Yeah, I think certainly. This is by no means is this limited to one side or the other. I mean, so everyone has the same religious impulses and your options are whether to find fulfillment of those in the true religion in the religion of Jesus Christ or to try to fulfill them in other ways. The political left in America is much more aligned with secularism, but the right wing in America certainly has its moments when its own religious impulses are still also not quite great. It's a bit odd to me why, for example, like if you look at something like the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, why it's so unacceptable for people that folks just remain a bit agnostic about that. Like, oh, you know, I may have gotten the vaccine or didn't. I don't really know. It's, you know, I try to trust my doctor in this, but I, I don't want to kind of place this burden upon anyone else. I've certainly seen, a, you know, a bit of a strange response amongst the right, which is to turn that into sort of a religious purity test of, oh, did you listen to the right people? Were you swayed by the voices of the false prophets? Or did you know and adhere to the truth the entire time? And if you didn't, then you need to grovel and beg for a sense of forgiveness that we're not going to give. I think because the loudest voices on social media are, are much more aligned with the left, it's obviously a bit more prominent, but it do, certainly does happen uh, on the right, even though I, I'd still argue it's a much larger problem on the left in great part because it's just a movement that's much, much, much more divorced from Christianity and also modern political leftism is in its core 
rooted in a hatred of Christianity in a way that for all the problems that the political right can have is just not the case. So should we rethink the term secular? We've been using it here. And for many people, that implies religious neutrality. There are Christian parents who send their kids to public school because that public school, they believe, is neutral, it's secular. Do we need to rethink that term? Yeah, and I don't know what the new term would be, but yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think there are certain things that we can say are are secular. Playing chopsticks on the piano is a piece of secular music, or going to see a film that kind of stays within its boundaries and doesn't have any kind of clear political or religious agenda and is just trying to tell a fun story. So those things are secular in that sense of being just sort of apart from religious claims. When we talk about the secular left, it is not the most helpful term in the world, I suppose. Like I said, I don't know what else you call it. But if something is rooted in a sort of intentional rejection of Christian claims and in a de facto re rejection of Christian claims, certainly it's not neutral. It's not agnostic on the issue of these things. It has a dog in the fight and has chosen a position. And if anyone wants to come up with a new term for it, I'd be more than happy to use it. Where is the true righteousness that avails before God found? Yeah, the true righteousness that avails before God doesn't come from man. It comes from Jesus Christ, the God-man. doesn't come from our own obedience to God's law. It certainly does not come from our own obedience to made-up laws. It doesn't come from our own obedience to kind of vague principles of inclusivity or bravery or, or whatever these things might be. The true righteousness that, that gives us the right to have peace with God is righteousness that God himself gives to us, that he pours out upon the world in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a declaration that he makes of our innocence through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus, having taken the punishment for our sins and triumphing over the grave, stands before God uh, as our advocate, as our lawyer, and declares us to be worthy of eternal life. And that's a declaration that we receive through faith in that word. So if we want to have peace in life, if we want to be able to step out of this world where we're constantly having to rip other people to shreds in order to convince ourselves that we're holy and good, there's only really one way to do that. And that is to stop mining for righteousness in the guts of your neighbor and to recognize that you're, you're never going to find righteousness. You're never going to find holiness in the blood of your neighbor, but you will find it in the blood of Jesus Christ that's taken away all of your sins and made you perfect and pure in the eyes of God. Pastor Hans Feeney is pastor of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in St. Louis. He's creator of a series of comical videos called Lutheran Satire and author of a column for World News Group titled The Gas Stove Prophets. You'll find a link to it and to Lutheran Satire at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Hans, thanks. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to go through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Then we'll spend some time with Pastor Tom Baker teaching a Sunday school lesson on Jesus and Zacchaeus in Luke 19. The 
Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January would make a great gift for your pastor. It's the New Concordia Commentary on John, chapter 7, verse 2, to chapter 12, verse 50. This latest Concordia Commentary is written by Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Bill Weinrich. Learn more about our January Book of the Month at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040, the New Concordia Commentary on John 7-2-12-50. Deaconesses are women trained to share the gospel of Jesus Christ through works of mercy, spiritual care, and teaching of the Christian faith. The word deaconess means servant. Find out more on how you can serve in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod through the vocation of deaconess at lcms.org slash deaconess. Working in faith, laboring in love, remaining steadfast in the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. LCMS Deaconess Ministry, lcms.org slash deaconess. Providing artillery support for the church militant on the front lines, you're listening to Issues Etc. Have you ever wished you could see Ad Crucem's products before buying them? Well, you can. Come visit us at our workshop in Littleton, Colorado, and watch how we make our Christmas ornaments and print our icons. Check out the quality and fabric of our church banners, or choose some greeting cards, posters, or jewelry. Of course, if you can't make it to Colorado, we're always open online. For details and directions, visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. Are you tired of those who change their Christian confession because they are ashamed of what they are called to believe in today's world? Scripture is clear on issues which many would like to claim are cultural but have no place in God's church. We at St. John Lutheran, Clintonville, Wisconsin, are not embarrassed to boldly confess that Scripture is God's revelation of His Christ our Savior, the only peace, comfort, and hope in our fallen world. It is why we gather each week to receive Him who comes to us in word and sacrament. For church information, visit the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org. 